Folks, welcome to episode 75 of the FLW podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White, and uh, in Hopkins, Minnesota. Guess who's back? It's Joe Opager. Joe, how's it going? What's going on, wild man? Uh, you know what? I'm really right now wishing I could just stop working and go fishing, but I've got some things I have to do. Uh, but as, I tell you what, as soon as I'm done editing this podcast. I'm going to be spending significantly less amount of time thinking about work, and I'm really going to dial <laughs> up my thinking about fishing time. <laughs> yes, it's uh, beautiful up here in Minnesota as well. It's about 70 and sunny and not a cloud in the sky. Is it the same down there in Kentucky? Uh, you know, it it is. It might actually be warmer in Minnesota, though, because it was 64 this morning, and it's not supposed to get to be, you know, really into the upper 70s or 80s until this weekend. It's kind of... It's been very pleasant, uh, not at all too hot, which I'm I'm happy with, and the water's up on Kentucky Lake, and I'm really looking forward to getting out and flipping some bushes, which is something I, you know, I've done before, but never on Kentucky Lake, and it's apparently epic. Yes, I believe I saw Bill Taylor's social media post saying that uh, he thinks the fish will be in the bushes at this point. Yeah, I mean they definitely are. I've uh, I've seen enough pictures uh, to make me. Uh, basically sick to my stomach, um, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to getting out there. And you know, the Rayovac next week on Kentucky Lake, it, it should be really interesting because there's not it's not too often there's a major tournament that falls when the water is high on Kentucky Lake, and mm-hmm. they're definitely not going to be full on on the ledges for that event, which will make it pretty cool. Uh, but anyhow. Joe, we got you on board. Kyle's off gallivanting around the country, uh, likely catching fish. Um, <laughs> here's uh, here's the outline for the week. First off, you uh, you got the intro. Up next is a wonderful interview, if I do say so myself, with Matt Airy. I did it yesterday uh, while he was driving back from Beaver Lake. Two-time, two-time champion. Yes. Matt Airy. Uh, and it, man, was it incredible. Uh, then uh, we'll talk some uh, we'll talk some news. Joe and I will run through everything we can think of about Beaver Lake. Uh, we'll talk a little AOI, a little fantasy fishing for you, Fala. We'll oh be- yeah. We'll begin to look at that one. Um, we'll get Kyle on next week, of course, to dig into both of his his picks more fully. Uh, we'll talk Texoma. There's a uh, Southeastern Conference college fishing event coming up on Gunnersville. We'll give the BFL weekly update and uh, that'll pretty much be it. So look forward to it. It's a great show. All right. Well, uh, buckle up and here's Matt Airy. And now we're joined by Matt Airy, who's uh, now picked up his second Walmart FLW tour win on Beaver Lake. Matt, uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, that must, uh, it must be pretty incredible. Thank you, Jody. And it, it was. It's uh, still kind of surreal, and uh, it's just it's it's a little bit ironic at the same time because this, this kind of went to it. Standing on the same stage and, and, and was able to catch my first major career tour win, and 
and Andy Morgan's and I were standing side by side uh, just like this year. So, uh, and uh, and I promise you, he's not the one you want to be standing side by side with when it comes right down to the end. <laughs> Makes for a little uh, a few nervous moments, but uh, this year was a little uh, a little easier because uh, you know I I knew it wasn't going to be quite as close. Uh, um, you know, Andy kind of spoke to me and. And, and congratulated me a little earlier than he, he probably should have, but uh, but it was good, man. It was a uh, it was a lot of fun and, and what a week. So, I got to watch you land your kicker on the final day. Can you just for anybody who somehow has avoided hearing about that? Can you tell that story because it was probably the most amazing thing that I've I've ever seen uh, in in this job for sure and. And just maybe, you know, it's up there. Maybe the most cool, the coolest thing I've ever seen. Just fishing. <laughs> well, likewise, Joe. <laughs> That's probably one of the the, uh, the the coolest things that's ever happened to me while I'm fishing. And to do it on the final day of Walmart at the Lake it makes it even that much more special. But, but I was kind of walking through. I mean, basically what happened? I was on this ram bait. Um, I skipped it up under a dock that had a little overhanging garage door uh, that pulls up and down where the boats go and and uh, as I was checking the bait out, you know, I couldn't see it until I came out from under the garage door and, and uh, I guess the door was about six, eight inches of water and, and I, I looked down and my camera tray had, had just stepped stepped up on the front deck with me to uh, um, close up shots and that kind of thing and, and I looked down and, and, and there's this jack coming out from under the stop bird dog and he was following it really close and I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting here. Well, if you get closer, and I, I, I get down on my knees and I said, "Trey, get down, get down." He's like, "You, you got to, you got to get a low profile." Because he was really quick to do that, and, and it uh, helped a lot. But he, he got down on his knees. Of course, he's still running the camera. And that fish followed that swim bait all the way to the boat, uh, and, and the fish gets to the boat. And well, I'm out of line. I've got pretty cool line out. I can't, I can't keep one. still coming out of the water. The fish is still behind. So all I can think about is all these musky fish that I've seen on TV growing up doing a little figure eight boat, pull a bait on the side of the boat. So I just take my rod, I stop really, take my rod and start pulling the boat parallel, pulling the bait parallel to the boat, and the fish is still still following. So um, I mean he's he's the closest to the boat right now. He can probably tell you the serial numbers off my trolling motor or something, you know. So, um, but he's still following the bait and uh, you know, got the camera right on him. Fish is literally under the water and he comes down inside the boat with the bait and all of a sudden he just he just opens his mouth and swallows it and in one fluid motion I, I set the hook I tried not to do it too hard because I you know, it's no line I'm afraid I'll bust him off and, or break him off just in, in one <laughs> in one motion and uh, you saw it it was, it was hook set and boat boat flipped him at the same time and that fish was you know close to five pounds and it was just uh <laughs> Unbelievable! I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, you get followers on a swim bait. They get close to the boat like that, and they they turn away and they go back to where they came from. But that fish had tunnel vision. You know, he wanted that bait so bad. He was so focused on that bait that he he didn't have a care in the world. He had no idea we were even present. So, um, just an unbelievable experience. I mean, to, to see that happen and to be that close to it, and, and, and then to get it all on camera. And and I think Trey's got. A, but it's going to make for a heck of a television show. That's for sure. But you can actually see the fish through his footage come up and eat that bait, and uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they they showed it on stage at weigh in, and 
I mean, I'd obviously seen it from one angle out in the out in out in the boat watching watching it. And I the first time I realized something was going on was when you guys crouched down, and I was like, "Oh man, something's happening!" And I, I started taking pictures and. To see that, to see that footage of the fish like just coming up and just eating it, I mean, it's it's crazy, and I think uh, I think there's a pretty good chance we put that uh, up on YouTube somewhere before the actual uh, before the TV show, and man, that's going to get like a bajillion hits. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome because I'm wanting to see it myself because you know I'm 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 on stage, you know, the final day weigh in, and of course they're showing it on but I'm half blacked out and I'm so nervous and tore up and the emotions and everything else. <laughs> I'm, not paying, I'm not really paying attention to what's happening. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I was still just, uh, I was just in awe at the time, even, even on stage watching it, just couldn't believe that, you know, it went down the way it did. Have you, uh, have you ever had a fish of, I guess, any size that you've been able to get to eat right by the boat like that with a swim bait? Or is it almost not- always... You know, you get them further away. Yeah, no, I mean, I've had a few come up and attack a bait kind of out of the blue, like they might have been underneath it where I couldn't see them right at the boat, but not to where I was completely out of line and actually just moving the bait strictly with my rod. Uh, I've never had that happen before. Um, not not really anything anywhere close to that. So, when, when you were moving your bait with your rod, how fast were you moving it? Were you, like, really conscious to keep it the same speed that ha- it had been going, or were you kind of like trying to trigger the fish a little bit and have it go faster well, or something. The, the only thing I did, I, I, when I saw the fish following, I kind of changed the retrieve just a little bit because a lot of times if you get followers on the swim bait, you can do something a little bit different with the bait. But since this is more of a paddle tail type swim bait that, that rides only about a foot below the surface, you know, I, I was throwing it without a weight. You know, it, it, you can only do so much to it without making it roll over or stop and look, look kind of, uh, look really unrealistic. So, as I was pointing with my rod there close to the boat, I, I did lift it just a touch, and I think that that may have been the last straw because when that bait began to lift, now it was only about eight inches under the surface, and the fish is right there with it. And as I lifted it just a touch, that's kind of when he just opened his mouth and said, you know, I don't want this bait to get away. You know, it's mine. And, and in one bite, you know, the bait disappeared. So awesome. I could, as far as speed, though, I kept it the same um, just because that bait, and the way I was throwing it without a weight, it was really only one consistent speed that would keep it uh, keep it running right. All right. Now, for your swim bait gear, so I was watching you, and you were making, I thought, some really impressive casts with it, but you were also making some really bold casts where you would cast over a cable and uh, be pretty happy with, I-, I assume, hooking a fish and then having to land it over the cable and, you know, in some really tight places around these docks. So what... What a, like, line and rod and, I guess, I mean, reel and maybe even hook was uh, putting that together for you that you had the sort of the whole package to to catch these fish? Because when I was watching, I mean, obviously if a fish doesn't bite the bait well, you're not going to hook them. But it seemed like the ones that took it, you, I mean, I I think you caught every single one that really bit the bait, which that's pretty good. Yeah, that, that truly ate it. You know, I, I did miss a lot of fish, but those those fish maybe got half the bait or three quarter of the bait in their mouth and didn't really engulf it. The bigger large mouth, you know, those two and a half plus pounders, most of them would get the whole bait in their mouth in one bite. Some of the little guys, the 13, 14 inchers, that in some of the spots would come up and squat at it real hard, just not a slack in your line, but you would never hook them. So, uh, yeah, my setup, 
you know, it, it was extremely important because uh, having the right rod and reel and the leverage to get those fish out of some of those places and, and uh, the line, you know, the strength of the line, I was throwing over the cables, some of them, because they were parallel with the water and there was no gap to get the bait under the cable, so I would just throw over them. And, and occasionally, you know, one would get it behind the cable, and I would, but actually the first day of the tournament, I had one that got it, and then he swam back up under the cable, so I had to go to him and then pull him out back from under the cable with my co-hanger netting him on the other side of the cable. And, uh, you know, a 20-pound P-line fluorocarbon, that had a lot to do with uh, the my success this week, the, the just the pure strength of their fluorocarbons. You know, it's one of the strongest fluorocarbons on the planet. Uh, I was throwing it on a 7-foot, 6-inch Kisselcraft custom rod. It's actually uh, kind of a Carolina rig rod, but it's a heavy action. And a, to me, it's the perfect swim bait rod. I'm I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a little above average as far as height. I'm 6'1", and, and it's easier for me to handle a little bit longer rod, especially with skipping docks and that kind of thing. But at the same time, you've got to have the... Uh, the power to uh, to get some of those fish out to um, you know I was boat flipping pretty much every fish that I caught on that swim bait regardless of size I mean granted I didn't put any seven eight pounders I wouldn't have done that but um, and that rod that rod and the uh, line setup was, was uh, I was throwing a a seven alt Gamagasu uh, monster worm EWG hook in the bait and just rigging it Texas style uh, with no weight and uh, using uh, using a high speed reel and, and like I said, the rod, the, the rod and the line really made the, the biggest difference in it, in everything. Um, when uh, how long have you been fishing pretty big weightless swim baits up shallow like this? Is this something that you sort of figured out just for this tournament? Did you figure it out a few years ago in you know back home in North Carolina well, and um, get to apply it? Yeah. What was the how did how did that work out? Well, um, of course, Brian Drift and I are pretty good buddies, and we, we live back there in Shelby together, and we have been out before, and, and he, uh, as far as the weightless swim baits, you know, I had thrown some in the past, uh, like the Gambler Big Easies and the, some of the Skinny Dippers with uh, small belly-weighted hooks um, and that kind of thing, but uh, we had thrown a couple baits back home. We went out together one day, and, and he kind of opened my eyes a little bit to um, you know, how well those baits I mean, there's small windows when those baits really work, and, and right around the spawn is one the best time of year, uh, best times of year to throw those uh, those unweighted swim baits like that. And, and it's just something about that subtlety and the speed and the retrieve that triggers a lot of those spawning fish to uh, uh, and post spawn fish. You know, some of those fish that were suspended up under those docks were post spawn females that are uh, that were trying to uh, recover from the spawn. So. Um, but yeah, he, he opened my eyes to it uh, quite a bit. Uh, one day we went out a couple years ago on a little local lake, Lost Lake there, and, and caught some really big fish doing that. And uh, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, it, it showed me a whole new realm and a, and a whole new uh, window of opportunity uh, for a certain time of year to capitalize on something that's a little bit different and uh, a little bit outside the box. Um, so I knew, uh, I knew that given the right situation at the right time, it could, uh, it could be a big deal, you know. All right. Um, now, these will, one, I guess one other sort of bait-related question before we get on to sort of how your whole tournament developed, because we've talked a lot about the final the final day and the final couple hours, but how many of these baits did you go through? Because these hand pours, like, it seems <laughs> like, uh, obviously, almost any hand pour type bait is going to be a little bit pricier than something you buy off the shelf. And yeah, it is. And, uh, it, uh, the way you had them rigged, it seemed like it was a much more fragile rig than just if you had been rigging them on 
a uh, like rigging a Kitech on a jig head or something like that, where you put a little super glue on and they stick on and you catch three or four fish. So <laughs> did you go through like several hundred dollars worth of uh, swim baits this week? Um, I probably went through about $150, no kids. So I, I, I think I went through about 40 things this week. And because of the, and actually a, a buddy of mine uh, who, who exposed me to this thing, Jeff Sprague, who I've traveled with in the uh, Central Ravax this year, uh, we, we met a couple years back. He got paired with me when he was a co-anger, and, and we just kind of hit it off. But he's the one that actually exposed me to uh, to this, this particular bait. But uh, the, the, yeah, the durability of them is the worst thing, yeah. You know, rigging a Texas style like that, when you catch one, it, it's such a salt bait that, um, you know, it completely rips a hole through the back. And, and I, I've, I've been in situations before where I've, I've taken that <laughs> that salt bait mend it and just sat at a table at night and tried to mend, you know, 12 or 15 back together just to get me to the day because most of those baits are only good for, you know, one fish. Uh, if you get two two good fish out of them, you know, you're, you're, you're doing well. Um, so... Yeah, like you said, I mean, you, and, and you get three or four bites, even if you miss the fish, you know, it still pairs the bait up. So uh, I had, I think I probably had about 50 baits going in this event, and I think I had maybe three or four, if that, left over when the event was said and done that were that were untouched, you know. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so for your, for the whole tournament, you know, you, you really put together – a very complete tournament, but if you'd looked at your results, you know, the first couple days and uh, really the first three days, I don't think you, anyone would have said, man, Matt Airy, that's a guy who's fixing to bust a almost 18 pound bag. So I, what, uh, like how did it develop? Cause I know you did some sight fishing. Obviously you caught some fish on the swim bait throughout. What, well, did you have a plan that did you were you looking at the final day as that's the day when the swim bait's going to work because of the weather? Uh, what what happened? Well, that the swim bait bite was something I got on the last couple hours of the last day of practice, and honestly, I had an eighteen to twenty pound bag in about two hours the last day of practice on that swim bait, and that's when you know the light bulb went off, and I said, you know, given the right situation and the right window and the right conditions and my timing is, is is where it needs to be during the event. You know, I've got a really good chance of busting a, a giant bag one day. Well, the first day, everything kind of went according to plan. I started on a couple of sight fish, caught a couple, put a couple of clocks early, a couple of hours, went and ran the swim bait deal and, and caught a couple of good ones. And got up to that 14 and a half pound, 15 pound mark, whatever it was, and, and kind of said that, you know, I, I laid off of them because I said, I, I think I'm going to be where I need to be. And fish management is such a huge deal at Beaver. You know, there's, there's only so many three and four pound largemouth in that lake to go around, and, and I, I was fishing some really highly pressured areas, but I was fishing a lot different than most of the other guys, and, and that's that was a big that was a big key for me too. And, and some some side fish along with some prairie creek fish, and, and a few a couple swim bait fish on day two and day three kind of carried me through. But you know, Jake and I talked, uh, we share everything, and, and, and he knew what I had done the last day of practice, the last few hours. And, and he kind of picked it up and, and did the same deal and, and got some big bites. And, and we were sitting there talking before the tournament began, and I said, uh, you know, we, one of us got a really good shot at winning this deal because if we can go the distance and the stars line up, one of us can bust a big bag on this swim bag deal, and, and everything's going to have to go right. But I think the final day just set up well. Cause Saturday night, I think the low was like 55. It was the warmest low we've had all week, um, which I think makes the fish more active in general. It may even... 
they even brought a couple a uh, couple free spawners up. Uh, you know that 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 hadn't quite yet spawned. Brought them onto the bank, and, and I think I caught a couple of those the final day also. And and it just made the whole lake a little bit more active in general, or at least the areas that I was fishing. And everything was just just perfect. I mean, uh, the conditions, the uh, the water had warmed up some, and and we had a little bit of wind, and, and you know everything lined up good for that sort of big deal. Okay, and. You know, you also, you kind of like fished all around the lake. Was that just because you looked for beds all around the lake and that's where you ended up fishing and then you sort of had specific areas you were looking for with the swim bait or, or what? Cause yeah. it, it seems, uh, yeah, no. go on. No, you're right. You're right. I, I was all over the lake. You know, I fished all the way down to, uh, uh, basically all the way down to the Honey Creek area and all the way up the river about eight miles to the Hickory Creek area. So um, I was all over the lake. Now, day three, I, I went a little bit further down than, than I planned, but I had marked a lot of bed fish down there and some in, in some uh, a few off-the-wall places that were more isolated fish and that kind of thing where I didn't think some people would look and potentially uh, find those. So I could, I could say with you. And, uh, and, and fortunately, day three, that's what saved me. Uh, I ran down the lake, caught a couple of key two and a half pound large mouth off the bed, and that's what got me up over that ten pound mark, and it kept me in the hunt. So um, I was all over the lake to answer your question, and, and did a lot of different things. But um, the swim bait deal was more in that not dirty water, but not clear water, kind of like last year, where it was uh, two to three foot of visibility. Uh, the fish committed to that bait a lot, a lot more aggressively, and a lot easier in that water than that super cheap water. Okay. And then I guess one more question. You know, you coming off of uh, the Grand Lake event, the Rayovac there, you finished third. You were bed fishing uh, the vast majority of the time. Uh, did did that in any way set you up well for going into Beaver Lake? Did it Were you were you at all in more in tune with the bed fish than you otherwise would have been? Because I know it's one of your strengths, but it, it's got to be kind of nice to just keep uh, – keep on keeping on if that makes sense yeah in a roundabout way it was jody i mean it, it gave me a lot of confidence a lot of momentum and that's that's a huge deal in our sport you know confidence and momentum being two of the biggest assets that we need to uh to uh to stay mentally strong when we're fishing but the the site deal at grand was a lot different from the aspect of number one just the overall number of beds and the, the sheer number of quality fish so it, it completely dominated that event and beaver was obviously quite different, you know, where the, the quality of fish was, was hard to find on the bed. And, and when you did find one, a lot of the other guys found one, found the same fish. And, and so fish management, I knew that wasn't going to sustain for four days. You know, you wouldn't have to mix in a lot of fishing. Uh, at Grand, you could not catch them good just fishing. I mean, nobody could. Uh, that I talked to or that did well in the event caught them good just fishing. You know? Until so, Bradley uh, Hallman on the last day. Well, yeah, but a lot of those fish you call them that spook. I, I mean, those the females that were up there falling. Yeah, a different way to catch those fish. So, um, yeah, you're right. But I think what, like, uh, still about seventy five percent of the fish were, were sight bass. So, uh, you know, in, out of the top ten, I'm pretty sure the rest of them were all sight fish, weren't they, or, or, or close? So, um, yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, even it, even some of the guys who were like sight fishing in dirty water, they were still. Uh, targeting fish on bed. So, yeah, definitely, that was more bed-dominated than beaver-like, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and they was, you know, the swim bait deal, I, I thought would be really, really strong and grand, and it just wasn't. The fish the fish there, and I don't know if it was due to the pressure or, or, or what the deal was, but 
Um, they just wouldn't come off the bed very far to attack anything. The majority of them wouldn't. I mean, a few would here and there. But you know, when you got a thousand fish on the bed, you'd think at least 30 or 40 of them would come up and eat a swim bait. But <laughs> I just couldn't get them. I couldn't get them going there. And I tried a lot of different swim baits. And it, I just didn't get going. So I pretty much had to just pull down and, and, and sight fish for every fish I weighed in there. Um, but it was a good primer for Beaver. And uh, the ones I did find on the on the bed at Beaver, uh, you know, I had a lot of confidence going in that, that you know I could make a lot of those fish bite and get them in the boat. Okay. And then um, I guess uh, sort of my my last question about the for the podcast portion of this because right after. Right after I semi hang up with you, we'll uh, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more for the magazine article. You said on the final day that your experience helped you helped you catch that fish, and that you you didn't your kicker you didn't panic you you just reacted sort of the right way and you made it happen. Did uh, do you feel like in the last I don't know year two years that you have, I mean, you've obviously got two wins to show for it at Beaver Lake. You're doing great so far this year. Do you really feel like you've taken a big step forward in your fishing? Yeah, I, I do from a, you know, a confidence standpoint, especially. And, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier. The middle aspect of our sport is is a huge, huge part of it. So, uh, I mean, you, you win an event, um, it gives you a lot of confidence to move forward. And, and that's, uh, it, it makes you make those on-the-water decisions with a lot more ease. Uh, you know, you follow your instincts a lot easier. You don't second-guess yourself. And, and yeah, you, you know, you see a, a dock over here or a lay-down or something, you, you run over there, you flip it or, or skip something up under it, you don't get a bite. Uh, but that's what you've got to talk to do. And, and it doesn't work, no big deal. You know, it doesn't bother me like it used to. And, and uh, sitting there second-guessing myself the rest of the day, just, just flying by the through the pants and, and, and fishing what I think looks good and fishing the moment. You know, that's a, um, that's a big deal. Cool. So, uh, Matt, last thing, I assume you're pretty excited for Eufaula to keep this thing rolling. Are you fishing anything in between that? Uh, yeah, I'm actually headed home now, and I'll be home for four days. Uh, Saturday morning, I'll leave and head up to the lake for the Rayovac, the second Super and then uh, I'll go from there straight to Eufaula. And from Eufaula, we'll go down to Lake Fork for the, uh, the GTPC down there. Awesome. Well, that's a cool one, and that one... I know uh, Lake Fork's got some big bass, and big bass always seem to eat, like eating swim baits. So uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe you just figure out a new way there. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'm excited about that one. You know, we fished it last year at Fork, and it was, uh, I think, Combs won it with a great day total of about 115 pounds, just unheard of, you know. And that lake is, is hands down probably one of the best in the country. The Texas Parks and Wildlife does a really good job of fish management down there and conservation. So, uh, it's a phenomenal lake, and I'm sure it'll shine again this year. All right. What's uh, what's the biggest bass you ever caught? And was it at Lake Fork? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was an Okeechobee, and it was, uh, it was actually in practice. It was a 10-pounder. So that's, that's the biggest fish to date that I've ever caught. Cool. All right. Well, Matt, uh, obviously hang on the line for a sec, but, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you as always, and best of luck going forward. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, I just finished up uh, playing the Matt Airy interview, and I, I didn't send it up to you beforehand to, to listen to it, so you really don't have any impressions about it. But I imagine you have some thoughts and ideas about Beaver Lake. So 
what stuck out to you about that tournament? Is there anything uh, that that you want to pick my mind about or vice versa? Uh, well, basically, it was just a fantastic event for us, as it always is when we go to Beaver Lake. Uh, it was really cool to see uh, Matt repeat again, first angler to ever do that in back-to-back years. He actually joined Clark Wenland and Andre Moore as previous two-time winners how they however they had never done it back to back so that was really cool to see and of course uh every time matt gets up on stage there's always a little tear shed so you know how much i I love that and seeing that the raw emotion coming out so that was a lot of fun uh wesley strader made another top 20 cut he's got a uh a lock on that aoi lead for for at least one more event however you know luke clausen's right behind him nipping at his heels so that was a lot of fun um, a lot of fish caught, not as big a fish as we've seen the past few years, but we kind of expected that. We're visiting a little later uh, here. Um, uh, you had an awesome day on Sunday. I saw some social media posts from you and you got to see the magic moment with Matt Airy. Tell us a little bit about that, man. Dude, it was crazy. So you obviously, you heard Airy sort of like describe it in the interview and it was, it was just the most amazing thing because I've. You know, I got this. I got lucky, and I saw the biggest fish of the tournament get caught, which, or at least I think it was. If if not the biggest, then it was definitely uh, the biggest fish any of us actually saw get caught. And I mean, that doesn't happen all that often. Usually, right. usually, you know, you see some good fish, but the absolute giants they get caught when you're not on the water. You know, maybe it's the first cast of the morning, and you haven't got there yet, or mm-hmm. they catch them at like. 2.35 in the afternoon and you got off the water or something like that. Right. So, like, that in itself was improbable. But just to to see how fired up Matt Airy was after that fish catch was so cool. Because <laughs> the way he, I mean, I've seen, I've had plenty of fish follow swim baits and not been able to convert. And, like, the way he was excited because he'd actually made it happen and he'd been able to get this fish to bite. And the way he was excited because I, I don't know that he would, you know, tell you right then he knew he was going to win. But, boy, I think he knew he was going to win right then. You know, he that fish sealed it for him. And it was just, it was so, so cool. So now I really do believe that this is the year of Jody Blanco. Because not only are you tearing it up in fantasy fishing, but... You weren't even on Matt area to start the day, right? You were on the water covering other guys, and you kind of just got like swapped over to him, right? Yeah, I started the day on John Cox, and we ran way, way up the river. And actually, honestly, my day, like it went about as perfect as it could be because I left John Cox just about probably half an hour after he caught his third keeper of the day, which was also his biggest fish of the day. So, like, he caught three fish all day that kept, mm-hmm. and I saw all of them get caught. And then... That's a right-sized fish. If he could have put two more in the boat that size, it would have been interesting. Oh, for sure. He was catching... I mean, he was catching little fish, but the keepers he was getting were all quality fish, a lot bigger mm-hmm. than a lot of the guys in the field were catching. Right. Um, but that seems like that's sort of the way of the river. If As you the further up you go, it seems like the guys a lot of times do catch quality fish, but... You can sort of crash and burn and only catch, you know, one or two of them some days. Um, But anyhow, so he, I left him because Kyle went in to do the midday update. 
and Kyle had been on Matt area in the morning. He chronicled his, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily locking the tournament up in the morning, but he was definitely in the lead going into the afternoon. We all knew that, but we also knew that mm -hmm. Andy Morgan had a lead and kind of anything could still happen. And then, you know, he just, I got there and he, uh, he missed one and then he caught a non-keeper and then he went to one pocket, didn't catch anything there, went to this one other pocket and caught his giant and then caught a three pounder. And it was just, it was on. It was amazing. That's so awesome. Have you happened to uh, see the ion footage from the boat yet? Are we going to get a chance to take a look? Uh, I haven't seen the ion footage. I've seen the footage from the big camera. Okay. Um, which, you know, we played it on stage at Weigh In. And sure. I then, I got to see it then, and uh, Peyote showed it to me one other time, and it is so cool. Uh, but I haven't seen the ion footage yet. I'm sure Jesse has it. Uh but he's, you know, he's busy right now. He's sort of in transit from, uh, from uh, Beaver Lake down to Texoma for the Rayovac. Sure. So we'll we'll see. But man, it's I I can't imagine. The one thing is the ion was on the wrong side of the boat, so it the ion's over on the driver's side, and he landed the fish and knelt down and did almost everything on the passenger side. Mm -hmm which means you'll see his actions, but there's not, I don't think going to be any chance to really see the fish in the water that you can see with the big camera. And it is sure. so, so cool. <laughs> what really sticks out to me is, I mean, the last four or five FLW tour events that have happened have all come down to the final day and been super dramatic. I mean, going back to the cup last year when Anthony, uh, came up from second place and ended up winning by an ounce or what you second or third. I don't even remember what it was, but you know, from there we go on to, uh, like Oho where DT stumbles on the final day and almost loses it. But at the end, he pulled it out in very dramatic fashion. We go over to Lewis Smith Lake. Dave Lefebvre jumps from seventh or eighth place and, uh, comes from behind on the final day and wins it in super dramatic fashion. And then of course, now this Matt Airy deal with the, uh, swim bait and boat flipping it right at the boat on the final day to overtake Andy Morgan again for the second year in a row and win. It's just been a phenomenal season for us so far. And oh, it's so dramatic. Every tournament comes down to the final day and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, I mean, you don't get that very often. It seems like most times there's a, you have a pretty good idea going in the final day, who's going to win because right. they've pulled ahead by a couple of pounds and then they start off the day catching them really well. And you're like, well, it looks like he's got it. And you can appreciate that for sort of the tour de force that it is and the fishing skill that it takes. But there's no real way to replicate just that I don't know what's going to happen drama that you can get that, that we've gotten so far this year. Absolutely. I mean, even even the first stop at Lake Tahoe, like JT took a eight, nine pound lead into that final day. And everybody was thinking, oh, JT's got this locked up until that afternoon when not even JT had thought he had won it. Like, he thought he had blown it. So. Yeah, and, I mean, we thought that – and we thought Wesley Strader was going to be uh, mm -hmm. the winner, not Can – or, you know, not right. Canterbury Right, ended up finishing second. third. We even, even that was kind of mixed up and, and pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's just been this last four tournament stretch have been the craziest tournaments that I've been a part of at FLW in my four years with the company. Yeah, it's it's been wild, and I mean the uh, obviously the cup that final weigh in. I've never seen a weigh in like it. I don't mm-hmm. know how I could replicate that, but just as a just overall, Airy catching that big one was it was and being there was just the the top of the the top of the mountain for me. That's awesome. Uh, although I have to say nothing can beat that cup weigh in for me, but I wasn't on the water for Matt Airy to yeah. catch that one in that moment. So I'm sure it was super special, and I'm a little jealous that uh, you got to be there. I'm not going to lie. Cool. So, okay, so uh, Aerie got – I, I want to talk a little bit about Aerie's – well, a couple pattern similarities I noticed with Aerie anyhow. But okay. first, before we do that, do you think Wesley Strader is going to hold on for the AOI? I want to – what's your opinion on this? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot here. Well, Cause, like, we're – he's got a he's got a – Pretty decent lead, and he's got uh, Chickamauga, his home lake, mm-hmm. waiting for him. Where you would think like that would be a place where he could distance himself, maybe from some of the other guys who aren't Andy Morgan. But right. Andy Morgan's in ninth. <laughs> I mean, we were at Chickamauga two years ago when Casey Martin hammered it home and uh, ended up winning by a huge margin. But Wesley finished second in that event. So I mean. He's got a lot of success on Chickamauga. The two crucial events for him are going to be Lake Eufaula and the Potomac River. Uh, right now, he's got an 11-point lead on Luke Lawson, who's in second place, and a 26-point lead on third place, Sangler Tracy Adams. So, like you said, Tracy he's in Adams the driver's seat right now. I think on the Potomac, or maybe it's on. Maybe it was on Champlain, where you won. Okay, but Tracy Adams, I don't know. He's obviously he's a pretty incredible angler thus far this year. Right, he's having a great season after a few year hiatus. You know, return this year and sitting in third right now after half the season. So he's got to be ecstatic with how it's playing out. Um, I think I, I think Wesley pulls this off this year. That's my I am all aboard the Wesley Strader train. He's <laughs> just so fun. Uh, but I I guess we'll see. <laughs> He is fishing like a man possessed this year. I mean, three straight top 20 cuts. Uh, it's, it's awesome to see. Uh, everybody at FLW is a big Wesley Strader fan on and off the water. So, I mean, to have a guy like that in the driver's seat that everybody loves, it just gives you somebody to root for. Yeah, you can't really, you really can't not be a Wesley Strader fan. Um, sure. Because <laughs> he's hilarious. He's a super nice guy. Uh he fishes hard. He goes about it, I think, the right way. I'm I'm very excited for Wesley to keep catching him this year. And he finally has a boat wrap now, which is key for actually being able to find him on the water. Because <laughs> it definitely first, helps a lot. The first two events, um, I I found obviously I I found Wesley one of the days because we knew right where he was fishing at Toho, but mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you if I ever saw him at Smith Lake. <laughs> you know, cause without a wrap, it's just kind of gets blends in, you know, it is, does make it really tough. Yeah. And I, he's got a hellish construction on the side now and that's great. I wish he, I wish he had his face on the side like he does right. on his truck. <laughs> um, it is one of my favorite wraps on tour this year. I've got to admit, I love that he's on his own truck. That's hilarious. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I keep trying to get Zach Burge to sell Kyle and I that space in his Jersey. 
uh, so we can put Kyle and I's faces there. I <laughs> that still is. He seems not really jazzed about that. Well, idea. he wants to keep sponsors for next year. I mean, he's not trying to scare them away, Jody. Well, I mean, look, I know I'm kind of. I, I, let's put it this way: I don't have a face made for television or anything like that. But I mean, Kyle's on Circuit Breaker. People should be lining up for that. <laughs> So speaking of Zach Burge, one of the things that's stuck out to me, I mean, obviously he's having a great season so far, currently ranked seventh uh, after the first three events. But, I mean, college fishing anglers are stepping up right now. Uh, Zach Burge, Adrian Avina, Shane LeHue, all former college fishing anglers, all sitting in the top 20 right now in the AOI. That's really cool to see. It it really is good to see. Um, I, I love that. I love that Shane LeHue is rewarding my uh, fantasy fishing faith um that's that's been clutch and i <laughs> the year of blanco i'm telling you <laughs> it, it could be and i guess you know i don't i haven't looked at the uh, rookie of the year standings but burge he's got to have a really big lead on whoever's in second absolutely um, which, i mean he's currently ranked seventh i'm trying to like scroll down to see who the next highest ranked rookie is and I'm into the 40s right now, and I'm not seeing one. So he's got a, a firm grip on that. Andrew, Andrew Young is probably a rookie. Ah, uh, yes. Yep, 44th, Andrew Young. Um, and, yeah, he's got a massive lead on him. Uh, he's got yes. – so it, it certainly looks like uh, Burge is well on his way to rookie of the year. He's got a 117-point lead on him, as a matter of fact. I wonder what Lambert's – uh, deficit was before the TVA events last year because he really turned it on in the second half and maybe there's another guy <laughs> like that who you would say well this is someone who could sort of challenge in the second half I'm I'm not sure and that's something that's something honestly I should write down and Kyle and I should talk about next week it'll be interesting to see you know how Zach Burge does as we transition into the second half of the season with uh you know some some different tournaments coming up on the TVA uh, obviously you know our last First three events have been kind of all during the spawn, all kind of shallow water patterns have been the deal. And uh, obviously, Bird from Oklahoma, that's kind of his deal as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts and if he can, you know, do well on the Potomac and Eufaula and Chickamauga coming up. Yeah, we definitely we definitely know he's comfortable fishing shallow. He did fish pretty deep and, you know, with a spinning rod at uh... – at Beaver Lake for his fish, he caught spotted bass both days. Okay, uh, fishing down in the bottom part of the lake. So, I I think he's I think he's pretty versatile. He's won tournaments in the summer before uh, his uh, college BASS national championship win uh, came in the summertime, and he had to fish a number of different bodies of water for that. So, I mm-hmm. think I I think he's got a really good shot to stay strong. I. I, I wouldn't project him to uh, win the AOI, you know, of the group around him. If I had to sort of look through, I would probably project him to fall a little bit. But I think he's mm-hmm. just because the group around him is so strong, not because of any fault of his. Uh, but I think that he's definitely uh, seems like, I would say, in really good shape, not only to win the uh, Rookie of the Year, but also to sort of double qualify for the Forestwood Cup because he's already in via the Rayback Championship. Sure. So bringing it back to Beaver Lake, one other thing that kind of stuck out to me was uh, Adrian Avina and his great finish. I don't know if 
you followed along with his uh, mishaps leading up to the tournament. He ended up breaking down in his truck. Uh, I think it was like 600 miles from Rogers, and he had to have the local dealer there come out and get him. And so basically he fished the whole tournament without a truck, and he was dealing with all that stuff, and he still finished 21st, missed the top 20 cup by just one ounce. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable finish when you've got so much drama going on outside of fishing that you're trying to get taken care of. Yeah, I was really impressed by that as well. It, it definitely wasn't. I, I I think Greg Bohannon helped him out a, a quite a bit. Yeah, uh, on yeah. the uh, on the non fishing side of things, um, which obviously is is it's great to see the you know the tour guys sort of pull together and make it all happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely, and I honestly don't to, think Adrian's even home yet with his truck. I know that uh, he had to send a whole truck and trailer out to pick it up and truck it back home to Jersey. And I believe like he he's just getting home within the next day or two. So, I mean, he's still dealing with this. Yeah. But I think, uh, for me, he seems to really get Beaver Lake. Like he's a, he seems to be a guy sort of on par with, with, uh, with Matt Airy, maybe who just kind of has a knack for it because he's done, you know, last year was kind of a, a pretty disastrous season for Avena, but he, his best finish of the year was at Beaver Lake. Mm-hmm. I think he finished like maybe 17th or something last year. And again, another really strong finish, which I'm impressed. And he's really done well on the smallmouth the last couple of years, which is kind of a unique way to go about it. It's one that, you know, I know Gagliardi and, you know, uh, Scott Suggs have managed in the past to do well on that. Sure. And he certainly uh, pulled it together. Yeah. I mean, he came in. Very disappointed last year at missing the Forestwood Cup for the first time in his career. And uh, he's he's had a great season so far. He's sitting seventh in the AOI standings. He's, you know, finishing the top 25. He's in the actually first three tenth. Oh, tenth? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tenth. But he's Burge having a great seventh. year either way, though. Uh, top 25 all season so far. So he's cashing checks. And uh, so far, it looks like he's on his way to the Forestwood Cup. We'll see if he can keep it up. Yeah, I certainly uh, I certainly hope he makes it. Um, just because I like to see him there. Um, uh, one other Beaver Lake related thing was I-, I wanted to just bring up again, and I I wrote the I've written this I think a couple of t- places now and talked about this a couple of times. But the guy who won, just like uh, Bradley Hallman at Grand Lake, had a they fished for spawning bass, but they also had a way to catch fish that were not strictly sight fish. And it seems like that is really an important thing when it comes to winning a tournament during the spawn because it I, I don't know what it is but he you know Hallman at Grand had the spook to catch those bigger fish and mm-hmm. uh, you know to catch uh, some post-spawn fish and to catch some pre-spawn and spawn fish that were bigger Aerie had the swim bait and boy that paid off for him uh, so that's my that's my Beaver Lake wrap up um, yeah, I've got one other thing to talk about, and it was rather unfortunate, not something that we enjoy talking about, but it does need to be addressed, the uh, DQs at Beaver Lake, I'm sure you heard about. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously Benton, I feel like, is especially kind of gut-wrenching. Rose just seems like, I mean, it, it's a bummer, because Rose typically always does well on Beaver Lake, mm-hmm. and he uh, yeah he was the highest salaried angler in fantasy fishing I do yeah. believe and it, it seems like to me that he just sort of had a real mental lapse or something because uh, you know what he 
the way he got DQ'd for leaving his boat adrift is not, I don't know, that's not something that I feel like a veteran like him should typically get DQ'd for, I guess. Sure, sure. Well, the the rule was just changed about four years ago, so I mean, it is fairly new if you look in the grand scheme of Mark Rhodes' career. Uh, the, Rose, or the, the rule was implemented uh, that anglers aren't allowed to leave the boat adrift or abandon it without properly tying it off or anchoring. And that's basically just because we can't have a boat sitting out on the lake and have you know someone come upon an empty boat. If they call 911, that search and rescue team is going to be out there immediately you know, looking for these missing anglers that are on the boat. So that rule was implemented a few years back, and I agreed. It was just a simple lapse of judgment. I know Mark was disgusted and sick to his stomach about it, uh, but we have to enforce the rules no matter if you're Mark Rose or whoever it is. So, unfortunately, his day two weight was uh, zeroed, as well as his co-angler, Nick Lockleman. Now, a lot of people were upset about that as well, that uh, the co-angler also faced disqualification. However, the co-angler has to follow the same rules as the pros, and they're supposed to know the rules just as the pros are. So, unfortunately, Nick left the boat as well, and uh, both of their weight had to be zeroed. Crushing blows. However, you know, we have to enforce the rules. Uh, Drew Benton, also kind of a similar circumstance, although he violated the same rule, which contains provisions uh, on where anglers are allowed to fish. And But his were much different circumstances. Uh, we were made aware on Friday morning that Benton had fished within 50 feet of a marked no-fishing zone in a commercial marina. Uh, Bill Taylor reviewed the ion footage and uh, made the ruling that his day one weight would be zeroed. Uh, Benton did get to fish on day two to salvage some weight and some angler of the year points. And, uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation all around. Obviously, we're big Drew Benton fans. He was having a great season so far. And Mark Rose fans as well. However, uh, you know, it, it is FLW and Bill Taylor's job to enforce the rules for everybody. So, yeah, it, sucks. It, really, it really, really sucks. And it's not something that we enjoy doing or having to do. But, you know, if we didn't do it, then we're, what do we let people get away with next time? And people push it. And it, it's just a bummer of a situation. It really is. But something that we have to do. Yeah, and I, I think uh, much of it comes down to if you uh whether you trust bill taylor's judgment and if you trust his judgment then you say you know what it's a bummer but it's what you have Mm -hmm. to do and you really you can't really argue any further because he's been doing he's been running tournaments for a lot longer than you and i have been even thinking about bass tournaments sure sure and uh, and no one there is is no decision that will ever make everybody happy i mean if you look at any major professional sports league when the controversial decision comes down it's like oh Roger Goodell and the LR idiots or, you know, uh, David Stern and the NBA or, you know, you always have these kind of scapegoats and it's kind of unfortunate, but it comes with the job for Bill Taylor. I mean, he is the man that's in charge and has to make those final decisions and they're not always going to be popular or easy, but he does have to do it to maintain and uphold the integrity of the sport. And so we, we go forward like you follow and, uh, Hopefully, we don't have any DQs out there. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, uh, I hope not, too, because I far prefer the story to be about fishing than about rules. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but anyhow, so speaking of Eufaula, Joe, 
you're a fantasy fishing expert, as we know. Oh, it's a tough season for me this year, Jody. I, I've heard that some people exclusively follow your pundit picks and don't <laughs> even care about the other pundit picks. Uh, so I've been told that. Uh, my advice to them would be uh, maybe they should stop that for this season <laughs> and uh, maybe take some other pundit, pundit picks into consideration. However, it was a very nice compliment, and I'm going to do my best to turn things around the second half of the year. So, Joe, you're going to try and turn things around. Who you got at Ufala? I, I don't want, Real, I don't want to know your whole roster. I just want to know maybe one sure. or two guys well, who you say. That's good because I actually don't have my whole roster finished I don't, yet, so thank so you. I that. actually just built mine today. I haven't okay. written anything about it, but I set it all up because I, I was trying to research the price of one guy, and then I got down a rabbit hole and started doing the rest. So <laughs> I actually have a I, – I think I have my roster – pretty set actually and i'm really super happy with it but i again i'm not sure i gotta look at it again sure well real quick before we get into actually like who is on our team did you happen to look at the overall cumulative fantasy standings and uh, see like for the entire country and the the big prizes did well, you did you look at the leaderboard i i can't say i have but i'm gonna go do okay. that now well in second place right now in the entire country is uh Western Division uh, Rayovac angler, Roy Hawk. Kind of cool. No way. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't know if he's uh, talking to Jimmy Reese or following his buddy Jimmy's pundit picks or what the deal is, but Roy Hawk currently in second place right now. Kind of cool to see. That is pretty cool. Um, that's, that's, that's an awesome deal. Do you think John Otten is related to Todd Otten? In six. Well, North North Carolina. <laughs> um, it it seems likely. It could be. We've I'm had uh, you know close family members do well in the past, so who knows? Yeah. I mean, if they get a little extra inside info, it's like, hey, that's the man. <laughs> I, I like it. All right, so some anglers for Lake Eufaula. I've got two written down. Well, first of all, why don't you say yours because. Yours that you've got written down is a no-brainer and easy, okay. an easy number one pick for you follow. Yeah, guys, if you don't, if you don't, there's no reason in the world not to have this guy in your team. Uh, and it's Tracy Adams. He's nine dollars. He's also second in the AOI standings and has, I think, a pair of top thirty uh, Rayovac FLW series finishes on you follow. He. Uh, I, I'm not sure how he ended up priced at eight, at nine bucks, but you got to spend that nine bucks. He's an Definitely. incredible bargain, and Grant obviously it could all crash and burn. You never know. Sure, just like uh, I, I'm just gonna throw this out there. My Sean Murphy pick for Beaver Lake, I believe he was you know six or seven dollars, and he finished second at that tournament just two years ago. So I was like, oh my god, pick of the tournament right here, and then. Uh, he went out and struggled this year, and it ended up being not so great of a pick for me. But or, uh, that may not be the case for Tracy Adams. Or my Van Soles pick at Lake Toho. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So obviously Similar. there's a chance of this, but Tracy Adams seems pretty well set up to be about the best $9 you could spend. So take you some Tracy Adams. <laughs> sure. All right. So I've got two guys for you here, Jody. First one is also having a great season, uh, currently ranked, let me see here in the AOI race, sixth in the AOI race, 
John Cox. He hasn't done extremely well at UFAL in the past, but this tournament's setting up a little differently. I know that uh, he really was worried about Lewis Smith Lake and Beaver Lake, and he got out of both of those tournaments with top 10 finishes. He's on a roll right now. He was looking forward to the second half of the season and thought that thought that's where he would do his most damage. So to be sitting in sixth after the part that you were worried about is uh, pretty remarkable. John Cox's salary for Lake Eufaula is currently $18. So uh, anytime you can get an angler you know, under that $20 threshold, I think it's a great deal. And uh, for to get the sixth overall ranked angler who is excited to fish Eufaula and thinks he's going to do well, John Cox will most likely be on my punted pick team. You know, he might be on mine now after you after that because boy did you sell it well. <laughs> uh, and I, the one thing that I would be a little concerned about, and we'll sort of we'll see if this plays out or not. But in the past, uh, the winner has come offshore, and I say in the past, sure, I'm talking Randy Haynes. Yep. And as we know, John Cox doesn't have any transducers on his boat, so he's going to be fishing the bank. Um, that could still work out for him because there's, there's definitely, I think, a more robust shallow bite on Eufaula than you get on, like, a Kentucky Lake in the summertime or a Pickwick in the summertime. So I, I guess we'll see. But I, I think that's probably one that you got to own, especially if the tournament shapes up where it's not full-on offshore deal. Another guy that I like, Barry Wilson for just $17, uh, you know, Local Alabama guy down there. He's kind of had a tough year so far. I'm not seeing him in the AOI standings anywhere. Actually, he's 92nd. But uh, last time we were there, I believe he had a, some sort of mechanical breakdown, and it cost him some time on the water that was crucial for him. I think uh, this time he kind of overcomes that and does well on you follow It kind of matches up well stylistically with him. And for 17 bucks, I think he also is a great buy. All right. I, uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. I would say I've been burned by Barry Wilson in the past, namely at last year's Forestwood Cup. I am, uh, I'm going to let you have that one, and I'll be <laughs> wrong on that. All right. Yes, and it was day two that he actually struggled. He only weighed in two fish that day, whereas he had weighed you know, a solid – 10-pound, 10-ounce stringer on day one. So it, it was the slip on day two that really cost him, and I think he can turn things around this tournament. Um, I think uh, I, I would like to see him turn it around, and I think this is definitely one that does set up pretty well for him because it's, <laughs> it's near his home. He's definitely, I think, a good guy when you've got both grass and an offshore-type bite present. I think those are some of his strengths. So I, uh, I could see him doing well, um, and I hope he does well for your team. Alrighty, and of course, you know my pundit picks will be posted by the end of the week. If you're an FLW member, you can go on and see all of our team and our reasoning behind why we are picking who we are. So that reminds me, I got to rustle up Jimmy Reese to get his picks in. Yes, I'm excited to see who uh, Jimmy picks for this event. He said he's done picking himself, um, <laughs> which I, I hope he doesn't. I hope he keeps picking himself. <laughs> Um, also Matt Steffen really wants me to pick him and I may have to do that, uh, just to be nice. Um, cause Matt I was, Steffen is a very nice guy and he's a, you know, pretty good angler he as is, well. And made the Forcewood Cup last year. 
Yes, and I'm beating him in the uh, Bridgeford League. Aha. He was like, "Hey, if you're going to brag about beating me, you should at least pick me." So <laughs> I may, I may, uh, I may do that. I'm not sure what he's priced at for you, Folly yet, and I, I should go and look at that and sort of see how it lines up. Um, so tell me more about this Bridgeford League. Is there a uh, you know case of jerky to the winner or anything like that? Um, I think the winner. I don't really know. Okay. Um, let me find the league. And I'm not in that league, but I tell you what, I'm most likely going to be after tomorrow. <laughs> uh, not sure see, if it will help at all, of course. See if, it, see if there's an indication of... Well, there's no indication in the league as to what, what it was, but I do recall there being some uh, jerky on the line in some form or fashion. I think it was a tournament-by-tournament tournament and as well as a year-end. Uh which I haven't managed to triumph in any of the individual ones yet, but the year-end is where I'm shooting for, because right now I'm in the lead on that, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm a big fan of the Bridgeford Beef Jerky, so I'm going to find this league, Jody. Uh, well, it shouldn't be too hard, uh, and I, I too, am a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, moving on from fantasy fishing, we've because uh, we'll talk about that a lot more next week. We've got the final event of the Rayback FLW Series Texas Division this weekend on Texoma. We've got an AOI race coming down to the wire. We've got maybe some smallmouth out there. It should be a real cool event. Um, Definitely. Joe, you think Hanselmania uh, takes away the AOI title? Do you think he wins again? Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Hanselmania run wild this year, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that like a wrestling reference? Oh, that's Hulk Hogan. That's okay. the original Hulkamania, Jody. See, I didn't know that. I sort of guessed it was because I know you, but I was not. <laughs> with all the Hanselmania, I was going crazy. Just with, you know, Hanselmania will live forever or Hanselmania runs wild. These are all great captions, and uh, I love the pro wrestling references. I always have, but I okay. am shocked to see that, you know, the – Three events in the regular season. Ray Hanselman has won the first two of them and is a, is a favorite coming into this event as well. He's only six points up on uh, Denny Brower sitting in second place, just 12 points up on Joe Don Sentina. Both of those guys have uh, made ends in the first two events as well. That's insane to me. You yeah. would think that the guy that has won two events could almost just show up to the third and he would win AOI. The fact that he's got just a six-point lead blows my mind. It is really pretty amazing how how good that little top echelon of guys have been. And, you know, if you read, if you read the uh, sort of AOI update we did, it sounds like Denny Brower is out of the hunt. I did. Although, uh, do you think he could be sandbagging? I, I think he could be sandbagging. Uh... Because it seems like something the wily old veteran. It could be, but I I don't know. I I feel like to sandbag about one's health is a much different thing than sandbagging about the fish you're on. So, sure, you're you're right. You're most likely right. Uh, but you know, Joe Don obviously is right there. Collins is right there, and I mean, it's if Hanselman stumbles, which he could, because for anyone to fish that well through three tournaments through a whole season is pretty ridiculous. Um, 
if he does stumble, I think there's there's a pretty capable group of guys right behind him who could do well in this event. So it'll be it'll be one certainly. Maybe maybe on day two we'll already know and it's over and Hanselman has won the AOI and he's going to win the tournament as well. But I I, I think it's uh, I think it's likely that we have a really fun event this weekend. Definitely, I'm looking forward to it. The other, the other cool thing about Texoma, just from a, uh, just from a fishing standpoint, is that it's probably one of the, it's one of not too too many lakes where you can legitimately catch a ten pound largemouth and let's say at least a five, maybe a six pound smallmouth. It's got a really unique mix. It's right on the Texas and Oklahoma border. I'm told there that the fish are actually bigger on the Oklahoma side of the lake, which is one of a. Uh, I guess one of the few times when everything is not bigger in Texas. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so it, it, it should be, uh, Rich Dalby told me that one. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> well, he told me that fact. I turned it into a not very funny joke. Um, so I, I, I think it'll be kind of a cool, uh, a, a cool event to follow along and, Jesse and David Brown are going to be down there covering that one, so you know you're going to get uh, good photos, and you're also, I think, going to get some really, uh, some really insightful, um, uh, some writing about it too, because David's really good at that. Definitely, I, I'm a big fan of uh, David Brown's writing. I know that uh, our colleague Brian spoke to Jeff Sprague about it. He predicted, you know, 60 pound uh, three day winner. So we're going to see a 20 coverage. It's going to be a sweet tournament. Yeah, I and I think that's, I I think that's probably a really legitimate uh, prediction. I know last weekend they had a, a Texas team trail event there, and the weights were pretty bad. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think it took less than twenty pounds to win, and a couple of guys came. You know, a, a number of really notable guys came in with very small bags. I I'm not sure that that bears. I I don't think that that's going to continue. I think that as long as they get decent weather and the lake sort of stabilizes a little bit, I think they should be good to go to catch some, you know, b- both some fish spawning, but also some fish doing other things. So it's uh, Yeah, that's what I was going to cool. ask, is if you knew what, what phase the bass were in, just because, you know, Jeff predicted that a lot of guys would be sight fishing in the event and that the majority of fish would still be found spawning. Now, I didn't hear the results from that tournament last weekend. Was that the case, or do you think that still will be the case? Uh. I think there's a very good chance that spawning bass play a large role. I don't mm-hmm. think the winner exclusively targets spawning bass is, okay. I guess, what I would say. I think it's going to be a little bit, uh, maybe like, well, I, I don't think it's going to be as full-on spawn as uh, Grand Lake was, but I think there's going to be some big kickers caught throughout the event that were on beds, and I think mm-hmm. maybe... This might be a sort of situation where you see a really big day one uh, with sure. some betting fish. Or one of the days when the fish pull up, you see a really big day. And then the other days you see uh, sort of more normal fishing guys doing other things. Sure. Um, but it, it should be a cool one. And, of course, uh, the the other event we've got this weekend, the college fishing event on Gunnersville. That one we're guaranteed. It's not a question of whether we're going to see big bags. It's like it's about as certain as you can get. Gunnersville, <laughs> uh, late April. We're going to see some big bags. Definitely, I think it was twenty six fifteen was the winning total last year. 
Uh, Canterbury says it's going to take 27 to 30 pounds this year to win. I mean, Gunnersville always shows out, and it's always one of the more fun college events of the year because any time we could see a record broken, you know. In any cast, a guy could catch the biggest bass ever weighed in FLW college fishing. So anytime you go to a fishery like that, it's a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun to cover. Yeah, it's it's always cool to talk to guys just after they've uh, caught, like, 28 pounds because there's basically no way that they can't be really pretty stoked about it. Um, you know, especially just after. You can you can catch guys later on when they're sort of thinking, well, I need to be a little secretive. But there's a natural high that you get from catching that many bass in a day, and it's fun to talk to guys when they've done that. Yep, that's what Canterbury said. The key would be as well as, you know, getting that school fired up and finding the fish kind of off the banks. He said most of them will already have spawned and they'll be kind of moving in the post-spawn phase. You may still be able to find some that are spawning, but for the most part, it's it's pretty much over. And finding that big school and getting them fired up is going to be the key. Yeah, I think uh, I think old old Hammerberry is uh, right on point there. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you have anything else, or shall we close this thing out with the BFL weekly update? Well, let's get into some BFLs. All right. Uh, I guess first. Wait, off, hang on, real quick. I apologize. Make sure you watch the weigh-ins online on Saturday. Uh, the Rayovac on Texoma is actually at 3:30 p.m. Central Time. The College fishing event is at 2:30 p.m. Central Time. So, spend your Saturday afternoon with FLW Live. I uh, will be fishing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll be watching and writing news releases for the event. So, and that is uh, that is not a bad way to go. No. Uh, I, I recommend you uh, get yourself a refreshing, cool, but probably not alcoholic beverage because you need to write some press releases afterwards. Sure. Sure. Uh, settle down. So type your top 10 out as, a, as it develops, and uh, just have a nice time. It, it's fun when they're interesting tournaments. And, and not that all of our tournaments aren't interesting, of course, but like you said, the Texas Division event's coming down to the last event for the AOI. So the AOI race will be a lot of fun to watch. And then any tournament at Gunnersville is fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, for me, I think one of the most fun events last year was when Randy Haynes won on Kentucky Lake. Uh because talking to him, I learned just a tremendous amount about just how he was fishing. And that was, for me, that was one of my favorite my favorite ones where I had to sit down and watch the way in. And guys were catching him like crazy. And then to do the interview right after. That was, that was up there for me last year. Have you been able to uh, implement any of those tips to your uh, night fishing tournaments with Kevin Hunt? Uh, well, you know... I have implemented enough of those. No, I haven't implemented any of those. Uh, oh, shoot. Maybe it was this, at a different time of the year as well. It was a yeah, little later in the season. Uh, maybe this summer once I get offshore, I'll be able to implement some Randy Haynes wisdom. Um, there you go. Learning from the best. And that he is. Uh, anyhow, so BFLs. Yes. <laughs> Todd Hensley uh, took first place with 15-11 in the Hoosier Division event on Lake Monroe on Saturday. He uh, flipped a jig in bushes, and I, I think that's just sort of a beautiful, regular, early spring type of way, solid weight to win on Monroe. Definitely. That's a very solid weight for Indiana. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, you see Potoka kick out some you know, 20-pound bags every once in a while, mm -hmm. and 
I think Monroe has in the past, but any t- really any time you catch 15-plus there, you've done a good thing, especially in one of these tournaments where you've got 100-plus other guys all running around trying to catch, trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. Um, the uh, Shenandoah Division event on Kerr Lake was won by Chad Poteet, I think is how you say his last name. That's how I would pronounce it. He caught 17 pounds, 13 ounces, uh, flipping bushes with a brush hog and throwing a spinnerbait on points. It was, and seventeen thirteen is another really good weight for Kerr. Like that's, that's very solid. It seemed like the fishing was probably really good that day. All right, congratulations to Chad Poteet. And also on on him, he was real pleased that, from what I could tell, with his ability to adjust because he caught I think two of his fish on the bushes, and then when the wind started to blow in the afternoon, he swapped over to a spinner bait yes. on the points, and that. Being able to adjust and having it work out doesn't happen all the time. So that's that's real cool that it all sort of came together for him. Yes, he was very excited. He said he caught, you know, 10 or 11 keepers all today. And he said that that change in the afternoon once the wind picked up was the key to his win. Um, on Lake Hartwell in the South Carolina, in the Savannah River Division, not the South Carolina Division, um, Michael Anders caught 23 pounds, 13 ounces, Big bag, uh, fishing a fluke on points where uh, blueback herring were spawning, and he also caught an eight thirteen on a bed with a jig. <laughs> um, big ups to big ups to Michael Anders because twenty three thirteen is huge on Hartwell, and mm-hmm. uh, man, that Michael was... actually said that you know he had eighteen pounds of fish by eleven o'clock that morning. That would have won it right there. But then, as you mentioned, of course, he went on. He found that big hog on the bed, caught it with a uh, Knight's Custom Lures jig. 8.13, biggest fish of the tournament, and uh, he ran away with it. Won by more than seven pounds. Yeah, that is tremendously impressive outing, for sure. Definitely. And uh, we had a a tie (laughs) for the next one. Um, Yes. The uh, Mississippi Division event on Dale Hollow. Um, wait a minute. That should be Mountain, Mountain Division event. Mountain Division. The event. Mountain yeah. Division event on Dale Hollow uh, took it took nineteen pounds one ounce to win, and Terry Ledford and Brandon Wallen both caught nineteen pounds one ounce. And they were both fishing pretty similarly, right? From what I can tell, yes. Uh, they uh, they were both fishing shallow, fishing uh, mid lake with plastics and. I imagine that they were both catching a lot of spawning bass because mm-hmm. it seems like exactly the right time for that to happen. Right. And I, I, I don't really love ties in fishing. Like, I would like there, for there to be realistic ways to break ties when at all possible. But you can't really do that with a BFL. And the fact that these guys tied, you know, they, uh, they both had really good days on, on uh, Old Dale Hollow. So that's, uh, that's good work regardless. And, you know, they both get $3,800 paychecks. So, I mean, nearly 39 I believe it was thirty nine eighty seven was their uh, their reward for first place. So that's a nice payday. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm sure neither of them are too bummed about the tie. And, of course, they do get duplicate trophies. Even though we only have one winner's trophy on hand, they'll be uh, sent each a uh, – one of them will take the winner trophy home. The other one uh, will get sent a winner trophy. 
because you know you can't uh, you can't win one of these things without a trophy. <laughs> Got to be able to show it off. Exactly. And uh, then in the Mississippi Division event on Pickwick, uh, Roger Stiegel caught five fish for nineteen pounds five ounces. Um, he threw uh, a jig, a Carolina rig, a Strike King six XD, and he kind of did the. He didn't fish like true off offshore stuff, but he fished some sort of cuts and bars, and you know he didn't. He kind of mixed it up, which was pretty impressive. Congratulations to Roger Stegall. All right. Now, I want to make a brief uh, interruption here for a potential fantasy fishing question, Joe. Okay. Jason Lambert is projected by many to do well coming up at Eufaula. Sure. Um, it definitely is an area he fit, it fits just to his strengths, and he's looking forward to it. Do you uh, Are you at all concerned by his slow start to the season, his 57th with only two bass? in this particular BFL, uh, does his lack of momentum worry you? Well, not really, and here's why. I mean, obviously Jason competed on the FLW Tour. Uh, he didn't make the cut on Friday. It, you know, he he was disappointed in himself uh, on Friday evening and said, I'm getting in the truck. I'm going home right now. I'm fishing the BFL tomorrow. So that being considered, he left from Arkansas, headed back to you know, Iuka, Mississippi, where it was launched out of. I would imagine he didn't get in there until real, real late in the evening, probably you know, one, two in the morning. And then of course takeoff was right away that morning, six thirty, seven o'clock. So basically, he really had no time to prepare. Now I know this is his home lake, but uh, he's going from Beaver Lake and fishing that every day for a week as you know, through practice and then the tournament as well. And now he's turning around and trying to just go right on to Pickwick. I am a little concerned at his slow start of the season. However, it was his first time at a lot of these fisheries. Uh, you know, it was the first time at Lake Toho for a lot of guys. Uh, it was his first time at Lewis Smith Lake, I would imagine, at least in FLW Tour competition. Uh, Beaver Lake, I'm sure he wanted to do a little better, but we're kind of getting into his wheelhouse of the season. Uh, similar to last year, I mean, after the first half of the season, he was not in the Rookie of the Year discussion. However, you know, we went to a couple uh, TVA lakes, or Pickwick and Kentucky Lake last year, and he kind of turned things around. I, I feel like it could be the same kind of deal this year as, you know, we progress onto uh, Lake Eufaula and then Chickamauga. That's more of his wheelhouse and where he's expected to do well. So I'm not real concerned. However, talk to me after Eufaula. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what his what he's priced at for you. I'm looking at nineteen dollars. I I actually really like him for nineteen dollars, and I think I, agree. Uh, I think he's a great buy. Um, in fact, I, I think I would probably prefer to spend the extra dollar on him versus eighteen for Cox. It's interesting, even though Cox is you know for lack of a better term, fishing much better than him right now. Well, as you know. I uh, don't put. I try not to put too much stock in momentum. Sure. And uh, from what, from my discussions with Lambert, this is an event where he feels he should really do well. Uh, and I, I don't think he's felt that way about any of the other events thus far. And most of the time, I think he knows the tournament that he's going to do well in in advance more than some other guys do because I think he's. 
he's he's a good fisherman all around, but he's got some very specific strengths. I think. Definitely. Uh, I think I, I'm with you though. Nineteen bucks on Lake Ufala. He's a great buy. I uh, I would agree. And then our final BFL of the weekend. Uh, Steven Reitzel caught 18 pounds, 10 ounces, to win the Cowboy Division event on the Red River. Uh, which is kind of cool to go to the Red River as opposed to, you know, uh, Sam Rayburn or Toledo Bend to get off off, uh, off of the big lakes a little bit. And he fished grass with a buzz bait and caught a big one on a stump with a square bill. So, uh, yeah, he, he credited that adjustment as well. I mean, he started his day out trying to target stumps in the ditches, didn't have much success, so he moved over to the grass, and he he caught. He, he said that he had made the adjustment the night before to rig the buzz bait, and that turned out to be the winning move for him because he caught the big fish, 5 pounds, 15 ounces, and uh, he went back to the stumps later that afternoon, caught another 4.5-pounder. So, I mean, it was just it was his day. Yeah, he really he really put it all together, as most of the BFL winners do. Usually, uh, they have a very good day and definitely demonstrate a, a quite a bit of skill, and it was uh, it was very impressive. Yeah, he said he caught fifteen keepers throughout the day. He ended up winning by more than five pounds, so he pretty much dominated down on the Red River. Awesome. Well, Joe, do you have anything else, or uh, shall we call it a day? Uh, I'm good. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I had to dust off the the old podcast chops, but it's been fun. But not the microphone, because you forgot that. Oh, I forgot the <laughs> microphone. This has all been over phone, so if there's any poor audio quality, it's 100% my fault, and I apologize. There'll be a few moments, uh, but most of it is very good, I think. And uh, you did a cool. wonderful job. I would say you have not, uh, you haven't lost your skills at all. It's, <laughs> it's, it must be like riding a bike. Um, and uh, I, I guess that said, Joe, it was a pleasure. And folks, yes. to uh, continue to follow uh, to follow FLW, you can follow us on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. In particular, I would say you'll want to be there soon. Yes, uh, Circuit Breakers coming out very yeah. soon. Yeah, that's uh, that that should be fun. Maybe uh, maybe by the time you listen to this, maybe not. I'm not 100 percent on that. Um, now, I I probably shouldn't even say this, but I've heard tomorrow, meaning thursday that it will be dropping now don't hold us to that but that's the latest rumor that i heard just today so uh that that is also what i've heard and i think that that remains the case seems very realistic and i uh i've watched it i think you guys will really enjoy it i have not watched i've been purposely not watching the the previous version i want to see the final copy that goes out to everybody. I'm I'm waiting just like everybody else. So I'm pumped. Now what I, I want to do? Oh, it is pretty long. <laughs> yes. What, that's what, great. It yeah, it's gonna take. You're gonna need to block out some time for it, and also maybe like block out a 4K TV for it because it's gonna be in 4K. Now yeah, I don't Travis know anyone. Got who, a fancy new camera. Yeah. Now I don't know anyone who owns a 4K TV, but I know like. If you do, it's going to be pretty sweet to watch. So maybe awesome. like find a friend. Maybe you can like go to Best Buy and be like, "Hey, I want to test this TV," or go to Walmart. Go. I want to test. People this do that TV. with the Super Bowl all the time. Really, you can. <laughs> well, you'll go buy a TV, use it for a day or two, and then bring it back. Oh, I mean, man. the subterfuge. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying 
you shouldn't necessarily do that, but if you wanted to do that, you'll see some crazy cool graphics. Yeah, well, consi- I would say consider that, but maybe uh, maybe just try and have a friend who has one. Um, or <laughs> That's just, a good idea, too. Or just watch it on the nicest screen you have, and yeah. you'll enjoy it. That's what I'll be doing, watching on regular old plain HD. Yeah, I will. Uh, I, I watched it not in HD when it first got up and I was around bad mm-hmm. internet. I do plan on watching it again in HD just to uh, see it better. Cool. Uh, but that's uh, that's pretty much the story there. I, I Oh, FLWFishing.com. That's a cool place to be. There's yep. uh, It's going to be a busy weekend especially the next few weeks, but this weekend we're at Texoma. should be a lot of good coverage from that. Um, you can email the podcast, podcast at flwfishing.com. Uh, we do read them. We have been a little spotty in our uh, responding and making things happen, but we hope to do better <laughs> in the future. Um, and, of course, uh, you can follow me at Jody Blanco on Twitter and Instagram. Joe, where can people follow you? At Joe Opager on Twitter. All righty. I love it. Guys. Kyle will be back next weekend. Thanks for having me. It was it was a pleasure, Joe. Folks, thanks for listening. And I'm not going to say see ya because that's Kyle's deal. I'm just going to say we'll see you next week. Take care.